we, uh, we are having baptism, and baptism is going to be down on the first floor. And uh, I have a big old horse trough that I couldn't get up here. My original intention was to get a horse trough and, and have it over there, you know, and fill it up and all that stuff. But I borrowed one uh, from another church, and it's a round tub, and uh, couldn't get it up here. So it's on the first floor. So what we're going to do is... Uh, we have, at Christmas Eve, we did um, a little presentation called Diners Club, and we're going to end with that today, and that's what all of this stuff is up here, kind of a rhythmic thing. I think you, you'll have a little fun with it. We have fun with it. We hope you have fun with it. And as soon as we finish that, we'll go down to the first floor. The children are down there. Um, that's where they have their worship time. So we'll just leave the children down there. We'll go down. There's five people that are going to be baptized today. I've had the heaters on the, the big old tub since 7.30 this morning, and uh I don't think it's even tepid, you know, just to be honest with you. Um, it is warmer than, I, than, than at 7.30 this morning, but I, I've done all I can at this point. And, and Danae's question was, am I going to be in there with her? And I said, yes, I'll be in there, so, um, so I'll do that. Um, but baptism does not save you. Baptism is, a, is an act of obedience that we, that we um, do after we've asked Christ to come into our lives. Um, we say that, that we want Him to be the leader of our life, the forgiver of our sins. And um, so when we're baptized and we go underneath the water, that is identifying with the death of Jesus Christ being laid in the tomb. When we come out of the water, we're proclaiming to all around that we are now followers of Jesus Christ. We're identifying with Him raising from the dead. We don't serve somebody who's still in the grave. We serve somebody who has come out of the grave. And that's why we follow Him um, and so we'll go down, we'll have a celebration time, and, and I, I fully expect you to hoot and holler after every person comes up. My, my six-year-old daughter, Hannah, is going to be baptized today. And uh, she, she actually accepted Christ over a year ago and has been driving us nuts. But, you know, I, I want to be sure that she understands who Jesus is. And so all of my kids, I have grilled them and made them... Tell me answers because I'm like, you are not going to grow up later and say you didn't know what this was about. You know, I've made it difficult for my children to actually come to Christ because they've heard the story since they were infants. Actually, in Janie's womb, we've read stories and we've talked about Jesus and we've listened to songs. And uh, when we pray every night, we, part of our prayer is we thank you, Jesus. We thank you, uh, Father, that Jesus died on the cross to save us from our sins. We thank you that the tomb is empty because Jesus is alive. Um, and so, my kids, you may say they're brainwashed and... Okay, um, because I believe that Jesus Christ is the way, and I want my children to fall in love with the local church. My, I feel like my full purpose in life is to raise my kids to follow Jesus and to build this church to honor Jesus. That's, that's what I'm supposed to do. And so Hannah's my third to come to Christ, and she is so excited. You, you just, now, when she hits the water, she's not going to be as excited. But she, she's been talking about it. Um, at night, she thanks Jesus for her baptism that's coming up. You know, it's, it's going to be a cool time. Uh, there's all kinds of other things. We are going to have 201 today. Um, it'll be up here after baptism. We'll just make our way back up here. We'll have pizza and child care provided for that. If you've not taken class 101, this is going to be the one time we give you an exception. And if you want to stay and go to 201, you can. The reason is because next month we're doing 301, which is discovering um, your spiritual gift. And so we're, we're going to give you some grace and, and uh, encourage you to take 101 at another time, but um, you're welcome to stay with us. One last thing, and then, then we'll get to the main stuff, is uh, we do have a breakfast sign-up sheet at the back. Heather, uh, I see you right there. Heather asked me to make that announcement, and would you help us out? We like to provide things for folks um, 
to come. So it's just another way that, that we make this place feel welcome to people. So if you'd like to help us out once a month, however often you can, uh, sign up back there because there's just a few folks that have been carrying the burden for that and uh, we want to help them out. Now, you've probably heard of athletes making a comment like this. I was in the zone. You ever heard that? Basketball is someone who every shot they take, they feel like it's going in and, and sometimes they are. Uh, Dirk Nowitzki the other night was something like 14 for 21, which is, you're saying, well, he missed seven. Well, that's actually pretty good when you're throwing them, you know, from 20, 25 feet away. Um, they say that they get in these zones with, um, with long-distance runners. I heard about them talking about this point. It's where they, they pass this physical barrier, and it's almost this state of euphoria that, that takes over them. They get this renewed energy. Something, something outside themselves kind of takes over. And, and just for the record, I have no idea what the runner's high, the long-distance runner's high, feels like. For me, short bursts across the living room are about all I can do anymore with my kids playing um, football. So I, I don't understand that, but I've heard people talk about the long-distance runners. I hate running long-distance. 100-yard dash is about as much that's pushing it nowadays. Um, Baseball players talk about it where with every swing, they're in a zone where every time they swing the bat, they are hitting the ball somewhere. And a lot of times they're hitting them in holes where the defenders aren't. And they say, man, I'm just in the zone. It happens when an athlete has prepared himself for this peak physical condition where um, every athlete desires to get to this point because it's what they train for. It's what they live for. This, this energy comes over them and they are just in the zone. All the workouts, the practicing, conditioned are designed to get them to this point of the, the athlete's high, peak performance. Now, we've been talking about becoming financially fit. thought it was a good title for the new year. And uh, we've talked about losing the weight of debt. That was the first thing we talked about. Last week, we talked about gaining the strength of savings. Today, we're going to talk about achieving a level that is rarely experienced financially, the runner's high or the financial high. And that means positioning yourself for an extraordinary experience with finances, entering the zone financially. Now, some of you are, I know, some of you are going, I am turning this channel off. I'm just going to doze until it's baptism or until they start playing on the plates up here. Some of you are thinking, I'm high. You know, Doug's high. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Well, before you say that, listen to just a little bit. I'm talking about something that is so unusual so unattainable that it must require supernatural help. And that's right, it does. This is positioning yourself where the God of the universe promises to be involved in your finances. It is completely outside the average, the normal experience, and without God's intervention, it will not happen. And quite frankly, most folks I know don't ever experience this phenomenon, but it's what achieving peak performance financially is all about. It's a point in time where you actively in God, involve God in um, your finances and He promises that if you do what He says, He'll do extraordinary things in your life. Now, to show you that I'm not high, that I'm not out of my mind, let's look at what God has to say. Let's look at some verses um, from God's Word. Proverbs 10.22 says, The Lord's blessing is our greatest wealth. All our work adds nothing to it. I want you to circle. You have this on your listening guide. Circle the words, The Lord's blessing. Now, by the way, if you brought your Bibles, just open your Bibles, and you may want to take some notes there. Um, if you didn't, you know, you can look up on the screen or you have them there with you. These words are not my words. They're God's words. Um, I'm not smart enough to think these things up. I just, I just tell you what God shows me. Now, if I were to ask you to define this word blessing, would you be able to do it? 
I don't think most people would. Let me give you some examples. When someone sneezes, what do we say? Bless you or God bless you. Okay, that's the most uh, salute. Okay. We'll, we'll, that's another way for saying bless you. At mealtime, a lot of times we'll say someone ask the blessing or someone say grace. Someone goes through a difficult time. They make bad choices, bad things happen to them, circumstances are out of their control. And inevitably, here in the South, someone will say something like, Oh, bless your heart. And then they'll tell you what they really think about you. Because I heard a friend a long time ago, he said that bless your heart is really a nice way of saying, Oh, you're such an idiot. Because you think about it. Someone gets out on the ice and they lose control and they smash their car into somebody's front, front living room and, and what do people say? Oh, bless your heart. They're really saying, you're such an idiot. But they're saying it in a nice way. So now every time you hear that, guy told me that 15 years ago and I've never forgotten it. So every time somebody tells me, bless my heart, I think, wow, they're really thinking I'm an idiot. Now, in the Bible, a blessing was about supernatural favor. It was something that came from God onto a life. A blessing was a wonderful goodness that only God had the power to bring about on a human life or even God knew how to give. It was supernatural. No wonder then that, that when the Bible talks about the Lord's blessing, it says that is our greatest wealth. If it is a supernatural favor that comes from the all-powerful God onto a human life. Well, let's look at some more verses and let's try to pull out what, what this means. Malachi 3, 10 through 11 says, Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. All right, let's unpack this a little bit. Floodgates of heaven gives us an image that God's blessing will be so outrageous that it could only be compared to the way God opened up the floodgates of heaven during the flood of Noah. Think about that imagery. Enough flood to go over the whole world. God's, God pictures that in these verses. God says, you have no idea of the torrential blessings that I will rain down on your life if you will follow me in this area. Jesus Himself said it. The words He spoke in Luke 6.38. By the way, we've, um, we've used some, some of Luke verses every week, and I'll, I'll tell you that in a minute. But here's 6.38. He is speaking to His followers, and He says, God will give to you a full measure, a generous helping poured into your hands all that you can hold. The picture here is, is like someone, like a child coming up to you and saying, can I have some? Please, can I have some? And you, being the parent, pouring out into their hands so much that not only does it flow out from over their hands, it completely covers their whole body. That's the imagery that Jesus is using here when He talks about what God will do. I like that imagery. I want to be blessed like that. Don't you? But let's consider the context of these verses. It's a discussion of doing something with our money. That if we will do a very specific thing with our money, we will experience this type of blessing, this aspect of God's involvement, God's power being poured not just into our hands, but on our entire life. Who wouldn't want that? Evidently, a lot of us. Because we don't do what it is God asks us to do with our money to reach that level of peak performance and enter into this zone of financial fitness. Let's go back and read these verses in context. You should never read the verses out of context. I did it to prove a point, but let's look back and see. God says, I will do all of this. I will bless you more than you can imagine if you do something. Look at 638. Give, and God will give to you a full measure, a generous helping poured into your hands all that you can hold. What is the condition that God says? What do you do? 
you give, and then God says, I will bless you. Look at Malachi 3, 7 through 11. Let's look at that whole context. God is speaking here, and He says, Ever since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a man rob God? I love when God answers a question with a question. They say, well, how are we to return? We don't understand, God. And God says, will a man rob God? And that got their attention. He says, yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? And then he gets real specific here. He says, in tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. I want you to circle these words. Bring the whole tithe. Circle those words. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Then circle these two words. Test me in this. Test me. Only time in the entire Bible God uses this, these words. It's like God is saying, I triple dog dare you to try this out and see. Now test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out, all right, three words to circle here, so much blessing. Circle those three words. So much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. There was a financial problem in the land. It was so important that God said His very blessing was contingent upon it. And He was very specific. The problem is they were holding on to their tithes and their offerings that God had asked them to give. Now, let's get real basic here. What is a tithe and what is an offering? A tithe simply means 10%. 10% of their income. That's what God expected them to give. An offering was anything over and above 10%. Because it was what God said, 10% was the bare minimum that any serious follower of God would dare to give. And then if you wanted to give other offerings on top of that, that was just kind of like icing on the cake. Periodically, people would do that. They would give to the storehouse. Now, the storehouse was this building attached to the temple because in the Old Testament... Um, All of the worship was in the temple. And the storehouse was literally a building that was attached to it. You would bring your offerings, whether that was grain offerings or, or wheat or whatever, you would bring those offerings to the storehouse. They would fill it up. And all of the money needed, all of the money required to run the, the temple business, the worship business, was kept there separately uh, from, from the temple. Now, in the New Testament, the worship of God moved from the temple to the church. And so giving moved from the temple to the church and you are expected to give to the local body of believers that you belong to, to which you belong. It was expected. Now, let me me, uh, try to illustrate it this way. I have here ten oranges. All right? And let's say that these ten oranges represent what God has given to you. God has supplied these ten oranges and He says, you can use these ten oranges any way that you want to. There's one thing I want you to do, though. I want you to take the first orange and I want you to give that to me just to say thank you, just to say that you understand that it all came from me, it all belongs to me, I gave it to you, I can take it away. I'm asking for one orange, you get to play with nine. One orange, you get nine. Sounds like a pretty good deal, right? If it all comes from God anyway, my kids don't have any problem tithing off of the money I give them. In fact, they'll give 100% and then come back and say, Daddy, can I have some more? Caleb, a lot of times, he'll, he'll bring extra offering for kids that don't have any. It's real easy for him to give my money away. But why don't we have that perspective? Now, here's what happens. A lot of times, we, uh, we say, God, I want to honor you with my finances, but, you know, I've got a pretty big mortgage. So, you know how much that takes. And so, God, I'm, 
I've got to pay that mortgage. I've got to have that house. So this has got to stay here, and, and this is what I'm going to give. And then, then you look out and you see that your car is not really what you want it to be, and so, God, you know I need transportation. So I'm going to take this part, and I'm going to put it on that car, Lord. So here's what I have left. But God, you know... My cell phone bill was more than I thought it should be, was going to be last month. So I talked to everybody, and I got to have that cell phone because you know I'm I'm always out on the road, Lord, and and uh, um, and and God, we we had that party the other night, and man, those people can eat, Lord, and so they just wiped me out, and I got to replace all of that stuff, and and Lord, you know that that. Um, my wife, I have to take my wife on dates and she's just so demanding, Lord. And I wouldn't tell her that, but I'll tell you, God. And, and so I'm going to take her on a date and we're going, to, we're going to do it nice, Lord. We don't ever splurge, so we're going to go have steak and we're going to go out to eat and we're going to do all of that. And, and so, God, it's getting kind of small here, but you understand, Lord. You know that I've got to, I've got to meet all of these, these debts that I have and all of this stuff. And, and Lord, you know, I had a wreck. Someone sideswiped my Mustang, and uh, that happened to Nathan. You can talk to him about it. Um, and my deductible is so big that, Lord, this is all that's left. So when it comes time for the offering plate, God, this is what I'll throw in. Now, I think most of us can relate to that. And God says, wait, 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 that's backwards. Don't give me the leftovers. Because if you, you try giving the leftovers to your family, you try selling out to your job and then coming home and giving leftovers to your family and see how long your family lasts. Any of you ever done that? Some of you have, I know. What God says is my math is this way. My math is you take the first one, the first part of the month, you give that. That's what it says in Scripture. You just look at that. Take the first part, set that aside. Janie was, was talking about when she was in college. She had no money whatsoever, and she said it was really hard to tithe. So what she would do, every time she would get her, her check, she would take $20 and hide it so that she wouldn't be tempted to spend it until she could get to church and she would give it away. Her roommate was a totally different thing. Her roommate had all of her um, college expenses paid for, and her parents gave her $750 a month spending money. Holy mackerel, I didn't even make that much money when I was in college. And so she would spend all that money on partying, drugs, going out, doing all kinds of stuff. And then she would come to Janie, who was flat broke, and she'd say, can I borrow some money? And I was going, no way. And Janie said she always had that hidden, and she'd take that $20, and she would give it to the church. That was something that she just decided she would do. Now, in Malachi, God says, you're not taking the first fruits. You're not taking that. All of the blessing that I poured out on your life, you are hoarding that for yourself, and you're giving me the leftovers. And God says, because of that, I will withhold my blessing from you. Now, not only will He withhold His blessing, it gets worse. God says, you are under a curse, the whole nation of you. Not only do you not get my blessing, we're going to go a step further, and I'm going to curse you because you are not doing what I told you to do. In the Bible, to be cursed by God means to be outside the zone of His blessing. Let's see if I can get this over here in the light where you can see this. Sorry, Jeff, I didn't tell you I was going to do this. Now, let me draw this for you. God says, 
that I want you to be in this zone. All right? This is where I want you to be. Inside this zone is my blessing. If you do this, what I tell you to do, you'll be in the center of my will and I will do extraordinary things in your life. But what happens is, you and I tend to, land, to live out here in the land of Ing. We live in the land of Ing. God says, I want you to come into the zone right here in this circle and experience my bless added to your Ing. God says, I will bless you. I will be a blessing to you if you live here. But what we do is we live in the land of Ing. The land of Ing is the land of earning, spending, whining, complaining. And God says, out here in the earning, whining, the land of Ing, He says, you are insecure. And he says, out here where you don't experience my blessing but where you actually experience my curse, some of you are flat out paranoid about your financial situation. Now, i got a truth to tell just for a second. I forgot to ask my wife permission, so I know you all will go ask her about this. A few weeks ago, I didn't know this had happened until after it happened. We were down to, you know, like 200 bucks in the checking account. It was actually less than that. I didn't know this. Janie handles the finances, um, and I didn't know this. And she said, it came to time for us to give our tithes to the church. And she said, we flat did not have enough money in the checking account. And she said, I started to write a partial check. Because what, what we do normally is as soon as we get paid, we tithe. We give 10% of that, whatever it is. And, and I don't know what happened. I don't know what the circumstances were um, this particular week. But she said, um, I, I actually thought about not doing it. And then she said, Lord, you know our finances. So she wrote out the check, put it in. And we were going to visit some, some friends in Arlington. And uh, I found out about this on the way home. While we're there, our friends in Arlington give us a $200 check. Just because they're like, and we're like, no, they're hurting financially. We're like, no, don't give us any money. And they're like, no, man, God told us to give this to you, so shut up. How do you argue with that? We're like, okay, come home. There's a check in the mail for 100 bucks. I mean, there's like three different things that happened within the span of four days. And so when all of that happened and then there's more money coming in, Janie goes, i got to tell you something. I'm like, what? And so she tells me the whole story, and I went, wow. I said, I'm going to be preaching on this in a few weeks. Don't ever not give a tithe. Don't, don't do that to me. But you understand what she was doing. She was looking at what was there instead of realizing that if you're here, God says, I will supernaturally make sure that the rest of your money goes as far as you need it to. Now, what could the people do to get from the land of Ing into the zone? Let me put that up there just so we'll remember. This is the zone. And I cannot spell. This is the zone. Thank you, Lord. Well, we're on the first floor to be baptized, so we don't have to worry too much about lightning down there. We are grounded, though. That's true. So um, that'll be fun. Um, now, God says He will come through for those who do what He says, always. And that's when you'll reach the financial high, the runner's high. That's when you'll enter the zone, that circle that we had up here. Do you want that to happen? Yeah. Me too. Take your registration cards, and, and I want you to do something real quickly. And then we've got one other thing we want to do for you. 
Fill out the front side of your registration card so we'll know you're here. And then turn it over on the back. Um, by the way, we have at the back, we've got um, giving statements for the last year. You'll need those for taxes. They're over here on this table. There are, um, if anybody doesn't have a registration card, raise your hand. Alex has got some. On the, the, the uh, back table, we also have last year's profit and loss statement. All that means is how much money came in and how much went out last year, and it tells you the categories where it came in and went out. Then there is a projected budget for 2006. Now, the discerning eye will look at 2005 and see the bottom line, and you'll look at 2006 and see the bottom line, and you'll see, woo, there's this kind of gap there. And I'm, I'm just inviting you to be involved in what God's going to do this year. Last year, we had 35 people join the church, but the number of folks that were coming doubled. What we're asking God to do, what I'm specifically asking God to do, is give us 75 new church members this year, and I want to baptize 50 people this year. That's, that's not too much, but it's more than I can do. And if we'll work together, you can do it too. You can help me accomplish what God wants us to do. Seventy-five new church members actually doubles the size of our church again in 2006. And so this budget reflects us trying to reach more people for Christ. And we're asking you to be involved in it. So on the back of your card, now if you're not a church member, that's all right. Don't, don't worry about it. But on the back of your card, we're going to ask you to make a commitment, a monthly commitment for how much you can give each month for one year to help us reach or help us double the size of the church in this next year. Basically, that's what it's for. And by the way, um, next week after church, if you take the budget this week and you have questions about that or the profit and loss from last year, if you have any questions next week right after church, I'll be available. The numbers of the board members are on there. Daryl Connor is a board member. Sandy Gleason and I am. You can call them, ask any questions. But we'll have a meeting next week so that you can say, hey, what's this? Why are we doing this? Those types of things. Um, but I want you to write down a figure on the back of your card, and then you're going to turn these into the, uh, to the joy basket. And by the way, the, there, I'm the only one that looks at those. There may be some people like Heather and Daryl are the ones that count the, the uh, money each week. Heather doesn't like the card, she said, because she doesn't want to read what's on there. She knows a lot of you write prayer requests and things like that. So she takes them out real quick and puts them in a stack, and then they come and hand them to me. So you don't have to worry about even people that are doing the money counting, knowing that. But we're asking you to be involved. Now, here's one last question. The number that you just wrote down, is that your number or is that God's number? I don't know. When I look at it, I'm not going to go, ooh, that's, that's Ryan's number. And call him up and say, dude, God said... That was not your number. I'm not going to do that. But I want you to be honest before God. A pastor shared this story. He said, he said, I love Indian arrowheads. I lived in Virginia and I collected arrowheads for me and a few friends. I had a super collection. I displayed my arrowheads in my office at church. Someone broke into the church one day and stole my arrowheads. Gone, my pride and joy gone forever. My inheritance to my sons was gone. Down through the years, I had given away many of the arrowheads I had collected as gifts. Some of my friends heard that my arrowheads were gone and they returned to me what I had given. Now, all I have is what I gave away. That's what you're going to have when you stand before God. That's what you will have is what you gave away. We've got some envelopes here. And what we're going to do is we're asking one per family. Inside this envelope, I don't know, they're random. 
is either a $5 bill, a $10 bill, a $20 bill. Did you do a 100 or a 50, Alex? Two fifties. One fifty in each. Okay, 50 total. Two twenties and 10. When you're running around trying to get exact change on a Sunday morning, Kroger had like two tens, you know, that they could help us out with. So you got to do, one of them has two twenties and a ten, so that equals 50 bucks. Here's what we want you to do with these. We're not going to ask you to make a commitment to do something that we're not willing to do as a church. And so we want you to take your envelope, whether it's five bucks, ten, twenty, or fifty, and we want you to look over the next week, whatever, we want you to look for someone in need. If you decide to add to that, that's your choice. But do something with this that will be a blessing to someone in need. Inside, there's also a card that says a small act of kindness, a whole world of difference. And, uh, for example, if you get five bucks, you could pay for the person behind you when you go through Taco Bell. I did that one time, and by the time I got back to the church, she didn't know it was me, but the church's phone number was on there. By the time I got back to the church, there was this long message on my answering machine that said, you have no idea what your act did. She said, I don't know who did it, but somebody from your church did this. And she said, I'm a single mom. I've had a horrible day and I've had a horrible year. This one act renewed my faith in God and in the people of God. She said, I called my mom in Houston and told her that somebody went through the line and bought my dinner. And she said, I don't even know who it was, but thank you for the blessing. All right, so that's what you do. You take it, you just look for somebody, you give that away as a blessing. And you can do it, um, you know, and honestly, I actually prefer if you do it honestly because it's more fun. If you're somewhere, take your 20 bucks and pay for somebody at another table. If you see somebody on the side of the road, give them some money, give them the card. And if something unique happens to you, we want to hear about it because I want to share those stories. So we're giving away 400 bucks today, the church is. We're asking you to give, but we always are going to be willing to give as well. And we've always said as a church, if we have to make a choice between reaching people who are already convinced about Jesus Christ or reaching those who aren't sure about Jesus Christ, we're going to choose those who aren't sure. And we're going to go all out to reach people who are far from God. Let's pray together, and then we'll do our uh, diner's club rhythm thing for you. Father, thank You for today. Thank You for Your love. And God, I thank You that You are just very practical when it comes to things about finances. And Lord, we uh, just commit this time to You. I have no idea what types of commitments have been made today, but You do. And for that, we give You glory, Lord. Now, as we do a little bit of fun stuff here, and as we uh, baptize, we ask that You get the glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.